I'm Molly Moran, and this is the Table Wine Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my very funny co-host, Andy Stoiber. What's up, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> Is that your funny voice? Is that your like DJ know. funny voice? It, it was giving TRL. Maybe it's like listen, oh, yeah. listen to the newest from Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's do that. It's summer. <laughs> Fred Durst, let's get it going. Um, hi Andy. So it is starting to be pick your own strawberry season here in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And yes. all this, all sorts of really good things. I picked up my. CSA box last weekend. I get a CSA from Harmony Valley Farm. If you guys don't know Harmony Valley, you must yeah. not eat, you must not eat fresh produce. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of CSAs. You there can are. Get. I'm not, not saying you only. have to get there. I'm not saying you have to get their CSA, but I'm saying if you don't even know what that oh, yeah. is, I'm like you've <laughs> never gone to the farmers market. Um, and I got this. I got the box, and it was just like all of these heads of lettuce and garlic scapes and radishes and rhubarb, and it was just like all summer things in one early summer things, right? There'll be the tomato load later. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it just made me so very happy because it's a million degrees outside. And I love that I can just make a meal out of eating strawberries now. So it's like the low key or maybe high key biggest deal about living where we do is our access to incredible produce in the summer and then and growing your own vegetables too. As of now, I have my own little garden mm. and... I, I think we, it's really easy to take for granted that we are surrounded by farms and what that means for eating, if we're, we're lucky enough. And so I am with you, got all the greens, 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 nothing but greens for the yeah. first box, which made a delicious salad. I was like, oh, yeah, I should eat salads every day. I tell myself that like twice a year. I'm like, I'm going to eat salad every day. I have one salad. Never again. I know. <laughs> I know. I used to be that person and I'm not anymore. I'm now in your camp of like, meh, I'll do it once every two weeks. Yeah, but it's it's lovely. So with all this delicious food, Molly, yeah. what's some, some favorite things to cook or bake this summer? Do you, are you familiar with buckle? Have we talked about buckle? Oh, you've mentioned the term, but I would say no. No. So it's like in that category of like, crumble slump <laughs> whatever like those kind of like baked goods that don't really look all that great so it's kind mm-hmm. of co- coffee cake like and usually I make it with blueberries but at this time of year I make a rhubarb buckle so it's a it's a pretty simple cake and then a whole bunch of fresh fruit and then a streusel topping and then you bake it and it, the fruit becomes compote in the streusel topping so if you're willing to have your oven on for 40-ish minutes it's so worth it I love it so much. I mean, I've always am a strawberry shortcake kind of person. It feels, you know, like very much like this is summertime, but I do love a rhubarb buckle. So that's rhubarb? My, that's my thing. Just rhubarb? Just rhubarb. Here's my thing. Whoa. That's rare. I didn't think I liked rhubarb because I always had rhubarb and strawberry together. As one should. Well, okay. <laughs> I hear you, but I think that when it is with strawberry, it doesn't taste like much. And oh. so you think to yourself, rhubarb doesn't taste like much. But then when you have rhubarb on its own, it's tart. It tastes kind of like a raspberry. There's like so much more interest. Like I I find it to be a much more interesting flavor when it's not with strawberry. I actually don't really love it with strawberry. I just think it like, I think it's a waste of really great strawberries. I think you end up like, Mm. I don't want to bake strawberries. I just want to eat a strawberry. I make a a chicken dish. I know you don't eat meat, Andy, but I do make a chicken dish that's in a rhubarb sauce and you just like cook down this rhubarb with thyme and butter it is not pretty it's not a pretty it's not a pretty color and it is 
one of the most delicious dishes. So that's my uh, votes. Use rhubarb more. That's really good advice, actually, because the advice is never to use rhubarb on its own. Because when yeah. you eat raw, it is like a very strong, yeah. bitter thing. And I feel like everyone always tells me to make it with something. I will say strawberry rhubarb pie is like my one of my favorite pies. That's great. Um, I just think that like you don't get a rhubarb beanness. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about when I've had more rhubarb forward things, how I do enjoy the rhubarb quite a lot. Yeah. Um, what about you? And, what's what's and, calling to you? In a similar vein, I wanted to just bring up like re- the last summer I did this when I had a bunch of nectarines and I did it again. This, I think any stone fruit you can really do it with from plums or peaches to nectarines is that they make delicious pies or yeah. like I have a tart pan or a pie pan. I made a homemade crust and then it's just like super easy. You just like kind of cut up your stone fruit, put it in like, with some sugar or jam and put it in a pie crust, put it in the oven and then it's super tasty. Yeah. So I know like if you ever just, if they're on like peaches are on sale or if you end up with a bunch of stone fruit, it's hard I think to eat a bunch of stone fruit when it's all right at the same time. So I've, come to love these like super easy pies and I'm excited to make more this summer and you can add some like little dairy sour creamy topping but learning how easy some of the fruit baking is where it is like the fruit does the work I know and you can do if you're out there saying I don't have those kinds of pie pan things you can also just do crostata where you just like you just roll it flat you put you you heap up the fruit in the middle and then you just fold in the sides and you just cook it on a cookie sheet Yes. Arguably even easier. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I need to make some fruit desserts. This sounds great. The other thing I'll bring up is a gnocchi dish where it's like, Mm. you know, the pantry gnocchi that you can get like super cheap. The New York Times recipe that it's just like tomatoes and fresh mozzarella and basil. I love that recipe. Oh, my God. Oh, right. It's so good. And so I like there will be that time of the summer when you have too many tomatoes that you know what to do with. And I've just come to find other things to do with tomatoes. I'm like, oh, it's really good with gnocchi, and gnocchi's really cheap, and it's really easy to make. So that's something. I feel like tomatoes, finding different dishes to use tomatoes in is key for summer cooking. And figure out things with big fruits. So that's what I'm talking about. Eat hey, gnocchi Andy, and speaking of pie. fruity things. Oh. Yes? Yes. What is it? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about a liquid made from grapes. It's pretty exciting. You just reminded me of how my dad called me a fruity or a fruit when I was in eighth grade, derogatorily, you oh, know. No. And that led to me crying. It was Easter, Easter brunch. Oh, Andy, <laughs> I don't mean to make you feel no, no. I, I think it's funny. Um, I was very sensitive as a closeted eighth grader, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would imagine so, man. That's rough. Okay, um, I'm gonna pour. Let's pour some wine, everybody. Uh, no, to... this is good. Embrace the fruitiness. That's what I'm trying to say. Reclaiming fruity. It's okay. just okay. I'm popping the cork. Pop, pop the cork. Sorry. I'm feeling for my friend Andy here, guys. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. I wasn't. Trying. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because good. I like a fruity. A fruity wine. And so we are drinking Christina Gruner-Veltliner. True story. Woo. So for all of our summer picks, I was like, we should have a white wine. <laughs> That's what people drink in the summertime is white wine. <laughs> Let's do that one. So this is from Christina. It's imported by Jenny and Francois. We talked about Jenny in the natural wine season. FYI. Yeah. Okay. Christina Christina Gruner-Veltliner from our friends at Jenny and Francois. So it is a natural wine and it is a woman-made wine and it has a hella cute label. So great for taking to a picnic. 
a friend's house, what have you. It makes a nice little hostess a, gift. A cold, dark basement alone. <laughs> Anywhere you want to drink during the summer is more than okay with me. That's how I feel. Uh, oh, I see where he's going with that. I was confused. It's delightful. Mm-hmm. I just tasted the brand new vintage. So this is 2020. We're wrapping this vintage up and then we'll move to the new vintage. Um, oh. But it's very minerally now. I feel like it's so dry. It's just delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's really... For it's... This... And maybe... Correct me if I'm wrong. Straddles the Gruner world in my mind right now, mm-hmm. where I think of like mm-hmm. the really mineral driven, like the Gatrank or the what is the I can't the think burger. of the burger, and then as and that side of things. But then, and that's what I thought of Gruner for a while, and then found no, you know, there's much more fruity Gruner out there. I think Gatrank's leaning. Of, I think Gatrank is actually leaning softer these yes. days in more recent vintages. I think it started there, but. It, it has moved to the peachy side, and this is like somewhere in between yeah. those things, right? Like it's like kind of fuzzy peach yeah. skin. It's a really happy medium. I don't necessarily know that I would want it with rhubarb, but I could see it with a when we when you're talking about stone fruits. I was thinking I always make a peach and burrata and pesto salad in the summer. I think I've made it for you. Yes. I like, yeah. I think so. And I feel like this wine would be so right there with it because it's like a little herby, but then oh, yeah. it's also a little peachy. I think it's just, it's a great summer wine. This, as I spoke of in an earlier episode about porch pounders <laughs> and the Avigno Petalon is a por- like a different kind. Like this to me is the white wine porch. Like this is like delicious, good juice, but like refined in a way where it's easy to drink a lot of in the summer. Yes. In particular. Because this goes down so easily. It's really smooth. Lovely, just lovely on the palate where I don't have to stop. Like I, I could just imagine ch- like just drinking glasses of this without even realizing it over a dinner. Agreed wholeheartedly. It's just great. Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder from our previous season, I think, of like natural wine just fits into the rest of life, right? <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? Like we like had like, yeah, you know, I didn't... A, a, of all of the wines that I picked, like I did I didn't have to have that focus. And I was like, yeah, but Christina Gruner is just delicious. Like it's just one of the wines that we should have, right? Like on put on yes. everybody's radar. I wasn't even thinking about this as a natural wine. And you're right. And now I'm thinking back to our season where the purity of fruit is the thing that came out. And again, there's just like a purity of fruit here mm-hmm. that it just comes across beautifully. And it's like, what you can't I don't know. You have to have it. You gotta try. Some of these natural wines. Yeah. I mean, and I think this is a great example of a Gruner that it's street, like you, during a blind taste test, I would have a hard time, I think, identifying this as natural. And so for people who are maybe skeptical of natural, this is a great entry point in. For sure. um, Because I'm finding it just so delightful. I'm glad. I picked it for you. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I will add, or question, the extra year, like, Maybe this is a fair question. When you're getting, especially rosés or summer wines, um, how you feel like a year... So you're saying this is the 2020 vintage? Correct. Correct. And so I might say, I might might be so bold as to think that I'm getting some of that like mellowing out in the bottle from the year. Like that this is mellower juice because it has more time in the bottle in a good way. Like I really love how it's coming across, but... 
something to be aware of is summer sippers that are from previous years and maybe they don't hold up in the bottle as well. Yeah, and I would say that I, for me, I don't get too fussy at two vintages. Mm-hmm. I don't really get panicky, you know? And there used yeah. to be this like BS, like rosé had to sell by Labor Day and you mm-hmm. have to drink the previous year's rosé or it's not good. And like that is just not true at all. At three plus years, particularly if we're talking about pretty relatively inexpensive, lower alcohol wines, you want to be a little bit more careful about. Yeah. Who you're buying from, why is why is it that vintage, you know, is like that what the winery wants or is that like it's been on a dusty shelf in this Northwoods grocery store for five years? Exactly. Different scenarios, right? Yeah. And like maybe you're in the Northwoods and you don't give an F, but maybe you do. And I can't speak across the board, but I do think there's so many wine club or wine deals where it's like, buy a case of wine for this price. And I do think that's where you might see old vintages that aren't supposed to be old. So, like, be aware when you find a deal where, like, oh, how can I buy all this wine for so cheap? There's a decent chance I'd say that it might be, oh, that's you're drinking 2018 rosé. That was supposed to not. Like, and that can have a a difference. Um, For sure. But it can also not, right? Like, it can also just be totally great and you would never know, right? So, you know, buy from people you trust is really... Exactly. (laughs) It really is, though. Like, it really is just, like, the end of that story. Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, So good. And so it is now time to decant. Let our summer media breathe. (laughs) Our summer picks. And today we are picking a book. Yeah. Summer book. And so, Molly, I maybe I'll start because mine's more unorthodox. And I'll let you... Bring us home with some brilliance. Because I have a pretty orthodox pick. <laughs> as Molly said, she was having a hard time getting into TV shows. I feel like I've been having a hard time getting into books of late, especially as a grad student. Like the semesters, it's like so much academic reading that during breaks, I try to get into fiction. It's like winter break. I had read some fiction, but it's been a while since I've actually been able to like read a whole net like fun book. And so my pick is actually not, I guess, a fun book. It's something inspired from grad school that I think I'm loving, that's approachable, that I want others to read. It's A Theory of Justice by John Rawls, who is like the super famous philosopher. And I come at this from a perspective where I don't identify as a philosopher. I always thought those were like, you know, Ivy League tweed jacket wearing people smoking a pipe. And A, that's bullshit. And B, this book is really accessible and has given me... So it's like changed how I've thought about everything in our world, about when that rock bottom question of like, what is fair? And that's what this gets at as a theory of fairness and realizing that we live in a world where fairness, our definition of fairness is often about finding like maximizing utility, I guess, like just the most, like the most benefits are for some, for some people. And this is saying, well, look at what if everybody didn't know how you were born and you were deciding on the rules of a society, what would you want? Obviously, and like that's the most simplistic terms, but it's really been wonderful. And I go, oh yeah, we don't live this way. We don't think about what we would want if we didn't know our status in society, like how we were born, right? But it's giving me a lot of clarity about issues where I'm like, like finding out that rock bottom philosophical foundation to so much of life is there. Like these big questions we have that we don't think we have answers to, I think they do have answers, but most of us are never exposed to the content 
and like philosophical ideas that can help us get those answers. And so I've just been loving it. It is approachable. It's like not, I don't know. I just, I hate that certain areas are like considered too elite because I think philosophy shouldn't be because it's, we all are living our lives and trying to make sense of things. And it's been a really useful way of helping me understand how our society is set up. That's beautiful. (laughs) And a way forward. It's hopeful. It's like, oh, here's a a blueprint for a better society. So that's what has been really nice. That's great. That's A Theory of Justice by John Rawls. (laughs) All right. So my summer reading pick is much more in the summer reading, like People Magazine kind of choice, I guess. Right. Or like, I don't know. I feel like you'd see this on a... I feel like this is on a list somewhere. I don't think that like what I'm doing is like. Emma you read str- so much. I'm excited. Okay. Oh. I appreciate that. But like, I am also really struggling to read. Those of you who follow me on Instagram, I post pictures when I'm done with my books and I'm behind. I'm not reading a book a week this year because, you know, I have a new building and a, an existing business and it's exhausting. And by the end of the day, I'm just, I just keep working until it's time to go to bed. It Not looks like you're reading a book a week. That's Thank all you. I'll say. I'm very it close. I'm like very, it. very close. I'm, I'm going to get back on track here soon. So my summer pick is Emma Straub's This Time Tomorrow. If you guys don't know Emma Straub, she is a master at the easy read. And I mean that as the absolute utmost compliment. And I tried to ask her this at a writer event one time and I think that it, it didn't come across as I meant it like what I was saying to her is like clearly you must put in so much work to make your writing so easy to read because like that's just not how people write so she wrote the very first book I read of hers is called The Vacationers it's set on Mallorca there's like a Rafael Nadal character <laughs> like I so I was like immediately all in so the premise of This Time Tomorrow is a woman falls asleep outside of her childhood home on the eve of her 40th birthday and later realizes she's in a wormhole and she travels back to her 16th birthday and she can go back and forth between turning 40 turning 16 turning 40 turning 16 over and over and over again and she can see to Andy's point about philosophy she can see how the things choices she makes in at 16 then influence what happens to her when she's older Oh. And how the kind of like the what if thing that she lived with for 20 years, she took care of that. Like she was like, okay, how about I just make the other choice? And she did that. And then when she woke up and she was like, oh, that's, that's not great. I'm not really happy with that. And so then she like goes back and like makes all of these different choices like over and over again. I loved it. I really loved it. There's definitely a nineties a nostalgia. Emma's just a little bit younger than me. So she's, you know, we were in high school at the same time. So there's this like 1996 kind of thing, right? So it's like all of my music, it's all of my movies, yeah. it's all of my things. But I just think that no matter how old you are, I, I guess you'd have to be a little, I think you have to be a little bit older. I feel like you have to be like more than 25. I think you have to have a better sense of your own mortality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it would really hit with a college kid, but if you're a little bit older, I think that it would really hit with you. And it's kind of fun to revisit that time period. So that is my summer reading pick. That's amazing. I actually just saw Emily Clark, a former Table Wine yeah. employee, just posted about how much she loved this book as well. Oh, um, and are you going to be in Brooklyn at all while you're in New York? Yeah. So Emma owns Books Are Magic, so you should go to Books Are Magic and support Emma's bookstore too. So awesome. Buy a copy of Emma's book at Books Are Magic. Amazing. 
great. She's great people. Great. She got her MFA here at the UW. And oh. she's just a lovely, delightful person. And Very I, I cool. Highly recommend that you read her. And now I've heard, yeah, I need to. It sounds like a great summer yeah, read. It is a great summer read. It's an pl- airplane read. You could totally read that on the plane. See, you have an airplane read and then you have like a tome that you can carry around with you all and summer. And look smart. No, I'm just then- kidding. <laughs> No, I really want to talk. I was shocked at how approachable. I love that you said like easy reading. Like I, to me, that is the mark of a great writer is that Absolutely. it's accessible to read. And that's why I love Curtis Sittenfeld. I always throw her name out because I think her writing is like so, you just like, my mind just like engorges it. I just love it. Like writing that your mind is able to just like imbibe. That's what it's going for. It's my family so love too, like, right? Like it's all, it's yeah. all the same. It's all the same yeah. thing. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Excellent. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah. Well, with well, that, it. I would love to hear what you're reading this summer, everybody. Yeah. Hit us up on Instagram and tell us what you're, what yeah. you're reading. Lovely. Mm-hmm. We will maybe, and then, yeah, maybe, no, I don't want to make any false promises. Like here's what, recall reading what other people told us about. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> Thanks for listening. Happy summer. Happy summer. Chin chin. Chin chin. The Table Line Podcast is brought to you by me, Andy Stoiber, and Molly Moran. Special thanks to Craig Ely for his production consultation. If you're enjoying what we're doing here and want to support us, you can do so at tablelinemadison.com slash podcast. And as always, please review, rate, like, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in again soon. <laughs>